0: Welcome to the Leading Below the Surface Podcast, where we get beyond the book and into our day-to-day lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Leading Below the Surface Podcast. I'm LaTanya Wilkins, your host. And as with every week, I'm joined by my producer, Adam Smigo. As we move into today's topic... I'd first like to share what inspired it. So a couple weeks ago, I came across a list. And this list listed out the worst management fads of all time. Again, I'll say that again, the worst management fads of all time. You're probably either chuckling or rolling your eyes, or maybe a little bit of both. I will say that while the list was entertaining, it also led me to a bunch of flashbacks that I could have lived without, honestly. I'm sure several of you are experiencing the same thing right now. But anyone wanna guess what was at the top of the list? Take a minute, think about what was at the top of the list. I'm sure your mind's going all over the place, I'm sure you're having flashbacks to those terrible meetings, um, those flashbacks to when we were all working in person and you just wanted to leave, <laughs> but you couldn't because you felt like you were locked in, in a room, but, The winner was, drum roll, Six Sigma, and particularly Six Sigma Black Belt. So depending on when you entered the workplace, you are either nodding your head profusely in agreement, or you're wondering, what the heck is that? So probably either one or the other. But I'm sure many of us, like many of our listeners, probably 90% of you today are familiar with anything with lean in front of it, right? Um, lean was like a whole methodology. It still is. It's, we still talk about lean. So picture that, but picture something much more drawn out and a bit much bigger time waster than lean. So I spent some time at GE, many of you probably know that, early in my career. So this was a huge trend at GE, along with the nine cells the GE values, all the things that we used to talk about. Jack Welsh age, performance management. But Six Sigma Black Belt was so big at GE that it was it was an actual career path. And I remember doing informational interviews so I could get into this field. Right. It had some swagger back then. Hey, everybody wanted to do it. It was like the thing to do. If you were a Six Sigma Black Belt, you were promoted quicker. Right? You had all these other privileges. You were in this elite club. It's a lot different now though. And now the issue is that the people who quickly jumped on this bandwagon, they spent a lot of time getting certified. So I know I'm oversimplifying this, but people spent a lot of time and career investments in becoming a Six Sigma black belt. And the issue is, is that they jumped on this bandwagon they sacrificed other assignments um, they they invested their hard-earned valuable career time in something that eventually became worthless i remember after i had left ge and we know, all know that ge blew up at at some point it's no longer it no longer exists i mean there's there's individual units that are out there but before ge blew up there were people there that were laid off, and they were some of the black belts were laid off first, and they were having a really hard time finding their next opportunity because again, this this was a fad, and people weren't looking for that skill set anymore. Side note, the good thing is that these many of these folks had project management skills, so that was helpful. But let's get back to what we're talking about. And let's get back to that article. So After I read this article, I went down a rabbit hole. And I found myself in a bunch of conversations about the worst management fads of all time. And guess what else came up? One was core competency. Remember that? When we talk about core competencies, and we would make sure that core competencies were the basis for all leadership development programs, and people were trying to master these core competencies to no avail. Well, that came up quiet quitting, or anything with quiet preceding it. I know many of you are probably already rolling your eyes. Don't get me started. But the third and final one that came up amongst my network was best practices. Best practices, remember that? That That one goes way back. That one's an OG, right? Where you can't do anything unless it's a best practice. And what that means is that some other large organization Whether it's an organization based in your country or not, or another side of the world, if they did it, that means it's cool, and that means it works. And the biggest thing about best practices that irked me was that a lot of these companies weren't even admired, right? These were companies that no one really even wanted to work for, or they had terrible people practices. But yet these are best practices, and we can't do anything unless it's validated as a best practice, which really was basically social proof, right? If this company's doing it, then it must be okay. And finally, this entire topic took me back to a conversation that I had with a co-instructor when I taught at the Geese College of Business. He would call such trends pop management in his very academic voice, and he would discuss how they made him cringe. I love that name, pop management. It's like pop music, right? Pop management. These were rarely evidence-based practices, and everything that was adopted seemed to be legitimate because it was hip. It's like when you buy something because it's nice but isn't made well. It goes in and out of style. I mean, we probably have many of those things in our closet. We've all been there. So then I started coming out of my rabbit hole. I started questioning everything that was in front of me and kind of putting it mentally, putting everything mentally into two buckets. Is it here to stay? Is it a trend? Then I had this gray area of a maybe. Maybe it's here to stay, maybe it's a trend. So some of the things I reflected on were DEI. I mean, DEI, we're talking about that. Is it a trend? Is it not? Is it here to stay? Even though I think it's here to stay. And if you listen to some of my other podcasts, I did a a podcast earlier on the state of DEI. So check that out and you'll hear a little bit more about why I think that's here to stay. Inclusive leadership, Mm, it's kind of already gone, right? We used to talk about that all the time, but mm, I think a lot of other things have taken over inclusive leadership. We talk about belonging a lot more, we talk about equity a lot more, over inclusive leadership. I talk about leading below the surface, which is a much more substantial alternative to inclusive leadership. And Then there's AI and AI, is also something that's very polarizing. Either you get excited or you cringe when you hear AI. And yeah, while I think some of that's a fad, I think it's here to stay overall. But then today's topic is a topic that I considered last, and that's psychological safety. This is a topic that I'm so passionate about that Change Coaches developed an entire assessment around it. But I started pondering this regardless. Is psychological safety here to stay? Is it a fad? Will it be short-lived? Is it a buzzword? Or is it here to stay? Well, let's unpack this. First off, I know many of you that listen to this podcast probably have different understandings of what psychological safety is and is not. So I'm going to start this conversation by reading an excerpt from my book, Leading Below the Surface. So on page 113 of Leading Below the Surface, I discuss an overall definition of psychological safety. I have a whole chapter dedicated to this topic in my book. And so this is kind of the beginning of the chapter. And I cite Amy Edmondson and how she defines psychological safety. And the way that she defines it is it's the extent in which mistakes are not held against people. Team members are encouraged to bring up problems and and tough issues. People on the team are not rejected for being different. It's safe to take risk. People can feel comfortable asking for help. People don't undermine each other. And people's unique skills and talents are valued and utilized. So again, I encourage everyone to listen to those again. Sometimes I repeat things, but I'm gonna encourage for all of you to rewind that if you didn't catch all those, in the interest of time here. I wanna keep us here on conversation. I wanna keep us here on topic because I know some of you are anxious to know whether psychological safety is here to stay or if it's a fad. But those tactics are just the beginning, right? And that's just the start of what psychological safety is. We're scratching the surface. So it's a very, very one-on-one intro. But let's get grounded in that for a minute. And again, if you need to rewind that for a second, listen, jot those down. It's gonna be important as we move into our next 10 minutes or so. So let's go back to when I first became familiar with psychological safety. So the first time I became familiar with this topic was during Google's Project Aristotle. Some of you have probably heard of that. What that was is Google did a bunch of research on what makes an effective team. And psychological safety was one of the topics that was on that list. I remember this very, very well because I was around a lot of students at the time, and we were talking about it quite a bit. Uh, We were also talking about it quite a bit in many of the organizations I worked in. At that time, I could say that psychological safety was mainly a means to create innovation within organizations and create effective teams. It still is. It's expanded, and it's expanded into the areas of DEI. It's, expa- it's also expanded into the areas of authenticity at work. It's also um, expanded into the areas of trust. And so we talk about all the, the means, psychological safety as a means to the end. right? And so it's a, it's a means to build any of those things that I just mentioned. But let's look at the other research around psychological safety. And I will tell you that this same research didn't exist for these fads that were on the list that, that I mentioned, like Six Sigma. We didn't have any of this stuff, right? Um, so here are four different facts about psychological safety that are very intriguing to me, and I know they're going to be intriguing to you. Again, these are, this, these are research studies that have studied how important psychological safety could be as a means to create these things that I just mentioned. So number one, according to a Gallup report, organizations that move towards creating psychological safety for their employees see a 30% reduction in turnover, 40% reduction in safety incidents, again, 40% safety incidents and 12% increase in productivity. I love these statistics because we're not just talking about productivity, productivity, productivity. Those are usually where this goes, but you'll hear a uh, 30% reduction in turnover, which can mean a lot of different things, more trusts, more authenticity, more just overall more engagement and 40% reduction in safety incidents. So, if for all of you that don't subscribe to my monthly LinkedIn newsletter. I just published an article about psychological safety and why it's important for all employees, especially non-exempt employees, your baristas, your customer service reps, like your mail carriers, like all those folks. And so make sure you check that out because a 40% reduction in safety incidents. That's a lot for those populations that I just talked about. Your manufacturing workers, all those folks. Number two. When manager skills are rated at a nine or 10 by their employees, they have an average psychological safety score of 84%, 84%. So good managers have high psychological safety scores. Those whose overall skills are rated a six or lower consistently have lower psychological safety ratings. Change coaches has an assessment on psychological safety. So if you'd like to see how you rank and how your team would evaluate you. Reach out to us, our information is in the show notes. But this is huge, right? Again, this is something that's evidence-based, data-based, that one of the things I find is that as a coach, employees have a hard time naming what makes their managers so good. And so that's why studies like this are so useful, that it found that the average psychological safety score again, was 84%, even though employees probably couldn't. Some could express it, I mean, a lot may not. Number three, managers whose overall skills are rated higher in areas like psychological safety lead teams who bring in an average of 4.3 million more in revenue per year. So again, that goes back to the money, productivity. And number four, an HBR study found that on average, team diversity had a slight negative impact on performance. However, and I talk about this a lot, more diversity creates more conflict, right? However, in those teams that had high psychological safety, diversity was positively associated with performance. And what that means is if you have diverse teams and they feel psychologically safe, you're gonna have the most productive teams on earth, okay? I know that sounds like a big jump to you, but there's actually other research that says this, that if you have a diverse team, they absolutely need psychological safety. It's extremely important. Again, if you want to minimize the conflict or if you wanna embrace the conflict, but still be able to be productive and still be able to make sure people feel connected and that they can speak up and like work out their own problems, right? Um, If you're a leader listening to this, That's what you want from your team. You want them to work out their own conflicts. And if they have a high psychological, if you have a high psychological safety score, they're more likely to do that. So that's a pretty strong research, right? That's also some research that is profound, right? When you think about this means creates all of these results. And so it, it makes me reflect on a workshop that I ran in early August. So I ran a full week belonging and psychological safety immersion at the Cape Cod Institute. Again, this was full week and we did eight hours a day or four hours a day, full week, four hours a day with work done outside of our sessions together. I received really great feedback and I will tell you that that experience was also deeply fulfilling, but I'll tell you something. With that, I I did get the feeling that many of the participants didn't really know what to do next. It's not that they didn't agree with the concepts, but they didn't have the organizational buy-in or for some reason they saw an even bigger challenge in front of themselves now that they had a better understanding of these concepts. I think part of that was because the the understanding went beyond their mind. They were actually able to experience what psychological safety actually felt like, which was very profound to them. And what I mean by that is we spent a great deal of time developing a sense of psychological safety within our own group. And only once you're able to know what that feels like, know what that energy's like, see the impact for yourself. Can you create that impact on your team? With all of this, yeah, I would say that I would say that these folks were prepared better than most, but there was still a lot of work to be done. Regardless, the bright side is, is that the participants who were in this workshop and in any of our workshops, they had more tools in their hands. We were able to give them some some practical approaches, some means to an end. They didn't just learn to regurgitate what psychological safety was, but they had a little bit of a roadmap of tools and approaches they could use to create it. Many of these which I discussed in Leading Below the Surface. The final thing I want to mention on this, this workshop, and the reason why I'm even mentioning this is it's, it's seeing how psychological safety is actually established as extremely powerful because you see how much time it really takes and how much intention it really takes. But we had a head of OD at a large organization in our group. And he he also shared that psychological safety had transformed their organization from a culture of avoidance to a culture of trust. And this is really interesting because he works for a very diverse organization. So this actually goes back to number four that I mentioned earlier that when you have diverse teams, psychological safety is vital. Because if there is conflict, people know how to navigate that. People respect each other more. Again, it's a, it's a means to an end. And people are more productive. And again, many times when we get orgs coming to us and they're leading, like the leaders are leading diverse teams, they're having these conflict issues. Psychological safety is a helpful tool to help you work through the conflict. So what's the verdict here? The question I was asking was, is psychological safety overrated? I talked about the fads that we see. I talked about all the management fads. I talked about the article I came across. The friends I talked to. Then I read an excerpt from my book to ground you in what psychological safety is. I shared some profound research, and then I got into a real world example. So what's the verdict? Well, based on everything I shared today, my verdict is it's not a fad. It's an evergreen concept. And I'm even gonna put it up there with other things that I don't see are fads that are very evergreen. Belonging, belonging is here to stay. The concept of belonging, what it is. It's here to stay. It's a human need. Equity. Equity is here to stay. Equality is very outdated. Equity is an important concept. It's a concept again that if more people knew what it was and could grasp it, it would have huge impact on organizations. Coaching. coaching's here to stay. It's getting bigger and bigger every year exponentially. Employee engagement that's here to stay. Even if you are a quiet quitting truther, I'm sorry, Foy engagement's here to stay. Even design thinking, like I was thinking about design thinking. Remember when um, Stanford was doing all this design thinking work and every that was all the craze? Well, it's still there. It's still, it's got staying power, right? We're still seeing it in many different places. Psychological safety is up there with all those terms I just mentioned but again spending a full week with a group of professionals and leaders that want to create psychological safety in an organization probably wasn't enough i mean i would say it was it got them on the right track but the reason why i'm mentioning this is it takes time and it takes intention and it takes effort to create psychological safety it's not again it's not just introducing your team to the concept and giving them a definition. Like I read from my book, that's a starting point. It's not a finishing point. I do want to reiterate, though, that you're probably never going to feel 100% ready to make changes and to create psychological safety in your workplace. But you got to feel ready enough to get started. My biggest concern, and I'll leave you with this, is since this takes so long and it it takes so much intention and so much focus, Will people move on to the next trend before they've actually created psychological safety? Hmm. Folks, that's my biggest worry. So that's all I have for this week. Psychological safety is an evergreen concept. It's not overrated. I left some of the references that I discussed today in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you. Do you think psychological safety is overrated? If you want to go ahead and and follow me on LinkedIn, and, and you can either comment on the article that I recently published, or you can email us. Our email is in the show notes. Let me know what your thoughts are and whatever research you have that supports your argument. So thanks, everyone. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Leading Below the Surface podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our show notes which includes tips, articles, and other resources. And one more thing I'll mention, please, please, please leave us a review, especially if you are someone who has listened to at least one episode. You could do that in the app of your choice. And while you're in there, don't forget to hit subscribe.